other's hand like that. Ball that's gone right through the window, right past my head and out the back door. Oh. I should have died that night. We were just ready at any moment for it to happen. Yeah, oh. I loved it. I loved, the you loved it. Yeah, I loved <laughs> it. I was like, watch then. The company I was working for was in a war with the rival family. <gasps> These three BMWs all in a line pulled up, put bulletproof vests on us. So I'm looking at growing men shaking and I'm sitting there like, I love this. This is great. <laughs> I seen people dead in tents, drug overdoses. I seen a man running past us. Man, when I've looked, he had an axe, like a hatchet stuck on the side of his back. This woman's ran up and, and jumped on my dad and she was clawing his face. She was and scout scum. Big duvet on the floor and it's crying. I'm hearing a baby's cry. So we went over to roll the blanket, opened it, and, and the woman and the man was trying to jump over the fence. They actually wrapped the baby up in a quilt. No. I swear on my kids' lives. They oh, threw it over the threw, fence threw, before yeah, they went? Threw it over the fence and then jumped over because they couldn't carry all the stuff. That is disgusting. You wouldn't believe what people do to try and get in. I mean, does somebody survive a stab at the arse? No, it didn't go up his arsehole. I don't think it might have. I'm not too sure. <laughs> I hope it did because he was going to stab me in the neck. He recruited 15-year-old kids, 14-year-old kids, 16-year-old kids in a crew. Good kids, and when I say good kids, I mean really good kids. Look, don't get involved in a kid, because what's going to happen is they're going to give you a load of drugs to mind in the house, and then tonight someone's going to come and rob you. Did he listen to me? No. They've pulled the gun on me bird's mum while she had older my son. So Mike was probably the hardest security job. Someone in the crowd asked him a certain question. He's just going to run that table and attack them. He's f***ing dangerous, man. No one wants to get hit yeah. by him. No, but I was sweating for the full three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say I lost three stone in weight just thinking, please, God. I'd say the highest point of my life was having a bevy with Michael Francis. Oh, oh he's great. Shout out to he's Michael Francis. Sitting off with a capo. Mafia gangster from America, Italian mafia, 100%. <laughs> he had the whole of the St. Helens rugby squad in a big, massive jacuzzi. Every one of them sat there like that, terrified. <laughs> Felt everyone. And he went to prison for that. I think. <laughs> yeah. I'm out of shape now, so he won't be probably interested in coming after me. But people who you get on who's in great muscles and that, yeah. Sean started developing little muscles, didn't yeah. you? <laughs> Leave Sean alone, Aki, or I'll come after Aki, <laughs> So, Kev Warren is a person we have met through Michael Francis, head of security. And we've had a blast at the shows that we've been doing. There was a, a scene right out of The Godfather, end of the Manchester show, alarm goes off. Yeah. You guys run in. What happened there? Oh, well, I think it was some fella who was waiting in the queue, got a bit of a cob on because he had to wait for an autograph signed by Michael Francis. So when I got to his turn and we've offered him to go in, He's just said, fuck the photo. He's went out. And the next thing, the fire alarm's gone off. You reckon he pressed it? Yeah, he definitely smashed it like 110%. <laughs> so we just had to get him out there safely and got him in that little restaurant and 
Just Captain Chief there and so we could go back in the hotel. It was everyone was downstairs on the streets but looking around because yeah. it's a hit. It's just people. Cammy was like thinking so it was going to yeah, go off. Well, well, it was. There was a gang at the bottom and that fella who come for the photograph at the end, they were like, they were all mobbed up at the end. So yeah, we just had to make sure nothing happened. Took the vest off and was ready just in case anything went down, you know. But, so you took that situation very seriously Of then. course, yeah. yeah. I've got them at my life saying, saying man, I'm looking after Sean, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll guard with my life, that's it. What I'm else not, happened? Like, uh, how many have you done? How many shows? Um, three. Three? Three, yeah. But then I've done a lot of maddening around Liverpool as well. Like, took, I went out for a drink with them and had some <laughs> food, and which was a bit crazy. But um, yeah, I've maddened them for about two weeks all in all, and about 10 days. What was it like when you... Was it out on the streets of Liverpool you went? Yeah, we took them around town, Matthew Street, um, took them to Carbon Club. And that was the highlight of his trip, apparently. So, he stopped a lot. Yeah, he was stopped a lot. Yeah, yeah. But he, he was he was great. He just wanted to have pictures with people and signed autographs and stuff like that. Obviously, if he didn't want to be bothered, then he didn't get bothered. But um, yeah, he's just a down to earth man, isn't he? You know, it's yes, it's a, a it's a bit of a mad experience, but yeah, such an absolute gentleman. We can't gentleman. wait for him to come back to the UK. And I think the UK people, he said like at the Bradford one, he was like he's. So passionate about the, you know, what he's doing. Yeah, well, he said Liverpool up to now was the was the highlight of his trip because, like, the us scousers, we love all that. You know what I mean? As you know, um, mafia stuff and that. But um, yeah, Liverpool was the what I've worked. Liverpool was the more fun. You know, was the better one. Definitely. So, what's your story then, Kev? Like growing up in Liverpool, and you said, you know, you're from a family that's got a name now. Yeah. Um, well, it was hard with the police because of my second name. I got harassed all the time when I was younger. I mean, obviously, where I'm from in Kensington, if you couldn't fight when you were younger, you'd had a terrible time. You'd have a hard life in Kensington. So, um, yeah, that was it. Yeah. What about school? Were you into sports or any school subjects? Yeah, in school. I played football and I boxed. But um, in school, like I was, I was a, not a victim, but, you know, I got bullied a little bit in school. Um and then I just started getting into boxing. Well, to be honest, it was my dad giving me a slap around the back of the head and brought me to school one morning and just said to me, listen, if you don't go in there and be get, be suspended by half past 10, you know, when you get home, there's a problem. And I never got it by my parents, not like that, but my dad's word was enough. So I went into school to the bullies and just stood up to them. And I mean, what started. was it your parents did? Uh, my dad was a wagon driver and my mum looked after me now. So. Where were the bullies getting you at? Um, in school just like I was just a quiet kid I just kept myself to myself just you know like on the way home was it coming to school no well it was just in school believe it or not outside school I was okay like, as I said in Kensington you had to be able to fight but then the minute I walked through the school gates it's like I left my ass on the streets like I just I couldn't it just fell out of me I went into school and, and you know I, I was just a quiet kid really can you remember the first time you were bullied yeah, I can remember getting bullied. Well, it was one one incident. I had a lad who used to sit in front of me, um, and I used to go home in in our school. We used to have to wear high socks up to our knees, shorts and jumper. And my mum, my mum called me in one morning, and I couldn't find my socks. And I've went in, and I had bruises from my knee all the way down to my shins. So um, my mum went into the school. I had a word with the teacher and that, but obviously school teachers can't stop anything. And I say this to the kids out there, I don't agree like, with them all fighting or whatever, but the only way you stop a bully is just by using your fists. Mm. That is it. But like I said, you know, he, he got dealt with after that. 
So you say your mum going in provoked it, would you say? Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Like but, um, yeah, but then when I got to senior school, I was all right. You know, I could handle myself then. What was your plans for when you left school? To be honest with you, to always do security, really. Was it? Yeah, What yeah. started that then? What started that was, well, like I said, my dad used to do security as well on the festivals. Back in the day, you didn't need a badge or anything like that to work. So I was on the doors from like 15 years of age in Liverpool and doing festivals, Glastonbury at 15, tea in the park, V2000 and Stafford. You know, all that stuff, like, really. What was your first confrontation on the doors? At 15? Um, well, I'd say the worst scenario at 15 on the doors was the company I was working for was in a war with a rival family. In Liverpool? Yeah, in Liverpool. So these three BMWs all in a line pulled up, big juice heads jumped out and uh, put bulletproof vests on us. So I'm looking at growing men shaking and I'm sitting there like, I fucking love this. This is great. <laughs> Bulletproof vest on, put my shirt on. And, you know, I, I, like when I was a kid, I didn't name um, people that see footballers or boxers and they'd be fascinated with that. I wouldn't. I'd see certain people in Liverpool and I knew I was sort of going to go the wrong way when I grew up, if you know what I mean. There wasn't really anything where I wanted to be like, oh, so let's tell that. I wanted to be around doors, gangs, you know, it was just the way we were brought up and carrying up by our family. It's just the area alone. It was. So were you quite a big lad at 15? I was massive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was probably bigger at 15 than I am now, yeah. Wow. In wit anyway, definitely. <laughs> so what was the hurriest situations in your earlier years as a security? Um, one of the, okay, so one night we were on the door. It was the Shangalar underneath the Shangalar in town as, as a club called The Profile. And there was a lad on there called Carl. He was a boxer. And um, he had a bit of trouble with lads from Nosley. So we're on the door, car's pulled up, a glass has been thrown out the car and it's actually hit Carl on the side of the head. So we've all got in his car and chased him, but the car was well ahead of us and there's Islington Road just there. So we're driving up Islington Road and as we're driving up, I've noticed the car's just stopped dead in the middle of the road. Now this is half past one in the morning. And as I'm looking, I'm in the passenger seat and the lad cars drives like, we're going to fucking kill him. I'm like, we'll smash them, you know, when we get there. And next thing, I've just seen some lad want the door open and running from the car and he's had his hand like that. So I've thought, shit, I've had my seatbelt. And as I've gone forward, the seatbelt's blocked me and I've just closed my eyes. Bullets gone right through the window, right past my head and out the back door. So that was probably um, the most... Hairiest moment. Yeah, definitely 100%. I should have died that night. And what, what were the guys like who you worked with? Yeah, they were, they were game, yeah. Were they all similar age? Yeah, well, yeah, they were all similar age, yeah, some older. Oh, no, this wasn't when I was 15. This was, like, after that. When I was 15, probably the worst scenario I was seeing was people getting stabbed. Oh, in the city. But, uh, over what? Just over just arguing with somebody. We're in Liverpool now, you know. They don't take it lightly. No. What about injuries that you've sustained? Just a bottle over the head. Um, what was the story behind that? Not on just um, talking to some lad in the club, telling them that they've got to go. And as I'm walking out with him, his mate behind me just decided to whack me over the head with a bottle. So it's just normal stuff. And what happened to him? He got he got dealt with like badly. He got hurt, not by me, obviously, but he, he got hurt. Other times guns have been pulled on you? Yeah, I've had guns pulled on me a few times. That scar there on my lips actually off a gun. It's off a single barrel shotgun. What happened there? Um, well, we were working on a club. I seen up and coming 
kids in my area who, who are new from kids. Shouldn't have done it, but I did. They, they, they had a big altercation in there. The best thing to do at that time was just get them out of a fire exit. So Dave took that as a as a bit of an insult. I was walking out to me to my car where I lived, it was in like a basement studio apartment. I was coming out to the car, next thing, gun to my head, nine millimetres to my head, shotgun pulled, got it with the shotgun in the face and um, they tried to take my car and I decided to be letting me, so I ended up grabbing, of the police and I got involved, we, obviously I'd never phoned the police, but um, the neighbour upstairs, she ended up on the phone, the police, and then obviously I've had to tell the police my fingerprints are going to be on that gun, because in the end there was three of them, and two of them started backing off, because the weird thing about that, that story was, is... I knew the lads who'd done it, and I actually seen them that morning in the McDonald's in Kensington. This was only a few years ago, this. And they come through, they come to my house in the same clothes I'd seen them in that day, but the only difference is they had balaclavas on. So once I've shouted one of the names, one of the dickheads is hitting me with the gun going, stop saying his name. So he's already just grasped his mate up. That is mate the one. So he's pulled the barley off. He's like, Kev, I'm sorry. So I'm just like, all right. I actually gave him my car keys in the end. I said, there's the car. I said, drive the fuck far away from me because everyone here is going to die for this. And he gave me the car key back and ran. But what the lad who still had the shotgun pointing towards me, I've grabbed the gun, lifted her up, and I've hit him with every ounce of weight. He's just gone down on his ass. The next thing, as I've went to grab the gun again, the nine millimeter just got pulled on me. Next thing, when I'm the sponsor everywhere, there's just police just all over my apartment, all over the car. And then a couple of days later, I'm driving out of our road and I see them all at the bottom by the sweet shop. So I've, just, I've jumped out the car saying, what the fuck was you doing last night? And they're like, it wasn't us, it wasn't us. Next thing, it's gone off. Dave ran at me with a knife. I'm fighting. I've got a dog biting the back, the bottom part of my left leg. I'm fighting a, a with the lad. dog bite, sorry. Pardon? You've got a dog bite. Uh, no, it, it had me pants. I was, I was, I was, it just had me pants. So next thing the knife's come out, I've hit the lad, the knife's dropped. And as I went to pick the knife, the knife up, next thing I'm just on the floor, police car coming down with no sirens on, bonneted me, put me down. The lad's picked the knife back up and then ran. And then the police ran after him and I got nicked for it. And believe it or not, I actually got brought to St. Anne's police station there. Um, they didn't put me in a cell because they, Someone had already phoned the police a couple of days. I denied everything had happened and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to sign those statements. I'll deal with it myself. But, um, yeah, so I went in, I went into St. Anne's. So they were saying, look, you've got to, you're going to get shot. We've been told by one of the, apparently they had a grass in their crew. You've got to understand, we were all friends. So they've had good friends of mine who were in their crew. And, you know, they've, one of them's phoned the police and said, look, Kev Warden's a good mate of mine. These are going to shoot him. And um, I just wanted just to know. So when I'm at the police station, the police have come to me and they said, look, we've made a statement up here. The weird thing about it was as well, even if I wouldn't have known who these people were, the police told me who they were anyway, which was a bit of a mad one because they went, we've done a statement here, we want these off the street. Because this crew sold heroin and all that in, in Kensington and crack cocaine and they, they absolutely just wrecked the area. And um, I'm reading the statement and I said, well, if I sign that statement, like, what's going to happen? Like, you, you know, you're 24-7, so I'm not going to sign it and that. And, um, and that was it, really. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a story. <laughs> what a story, man. Yeah. <laughs> so is that part of a series of 
battles with these people. Yeah, or... that, that, war, that war went on for about two years. Like, my mum's dead now. My mum was dying, but she was driving around. My mum's Irish. My mum was... I love my mum and I miss my mum, but she was a fucking nut, you know what I mean? She was game. And, like, every time I'd see her in the car, I'd go, what are you doing, mum? And she'd open a bag and she'd have a fucking blade like that. She's going, as soon as I see these... Cause they, they respected my mum when they see me, but what my mum was waiting for was for one of them to come over and say, oh, look, can you tell your Kev? She was just going to go fuck off in the throat because she was dying. And 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 that's what she, that you know, her grandkids and that was in the apartment when they've come. So that's what my mum was about. I mean, like, how often would they come? No, no one. Every time they spoke to me, I was going, come, come to the window at the door. And you were like, fuck that, Mara. There's no chance for coming near you. Because my mum, like I said, my mum was game. She was crazier than me. Self-like legend. Yeah, she's a legend. She was a legend, yeah, definitely. So these battles then, is it over like controls of doors? Is it over controls no, of- this one was just a control of, they, they, they looked at as I disrespected them in a way. I, I done them a favour getting them out of the club for glasses, well, for throwing a glass at someone. And they've, They've obviously gone home, threw some shit up their nose and sat there going, fucking Kev Warren's just told us to get out of the club. Well, it wasn't like that. We, I, But it was like a, a power thing, I, th- I think, I suppose. You were only doing your job. Yeah, and, and, and I knew them as well. Like, What other situations like this have you got in? Well, another situation where I've got in. I'm going to mention you pussies, the Childers crew. Um, so my bird's little brother, I love the kid, but he's a pain in my ass. And um, there's a lad in Childer crew, a bit, bit of a gangster, a bit of a name, as they call it. And what he'd done was he recruited 15-year-old kids, 14-year-old kids, 16-year-old kids in a crew and built it as the Childer crew. And my missus's little brother had a good group of friends, good kids. And when I say good kids, I mean really good kids. They got involved with this with this rat from Childer Street. And... Um, he come to me and went, they've just offered me to go in the Childer crew. Kevin went, look, don't get involved in it, kid. Because what's going to happen is they're going to give you a load of drugs to mind in the house and then tonight someone's going to come and rob you. Did he listen to me? No. So straight away, they, I think they gave, him, um, they gave him something to sit on. People have come round that night and my son was there. He was a baby at the time and they'd been trying to kick the front door in. Even though they grew up with my missus's mum and dad, they were like part of the family. And um, as me, me missus's mum's opened the door, they've pulled a gun on me, pulled, pulled a gun on me bird's mum while she had older me son. So, yeah, like I, I, I'm afraid to tell the story. So um, we went after them, heavy mob. We, we got a couple of them fucking, you know, to be honest, when I think back about it, I should I should have done life for the, for for what they done really, you know what I mean? But we just it, it was to be honest, it's probably still going on now. But I dismantled them all one by one, all the gang of fuckers, as far as I'm concerned. That's okay. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, that was another story. But other than that, that's probably the two worst stories. I mean, were your family heavily involved at this point when you were getting in trouble? I never got my family involved. No. Like, if you go back to when I was younger in Kensington, we had a crew of about... Because what we used to do is we... You know, when you go out on a Friday night, you'd have a bevy and whatever. We used to go to different areas like Breck Road, Tubebrook, Scotty Road, Anfield. And what we'd do is we'd have a firm of us and then we'd go and just start a fight with other... You know, we'd seen a group of lads, we'd run over, who's the artist, are you? Start fighting with them. And then we'd have a fight and then some of their crew would join us. So we had a pretty, a pretty big crew. So I didn't need to phone my family. Not that I would have got them involved, but 
we didn't need to phone our family. We we dealt with our shit ourselves. So tell us about the door wars then that have happened because it's happened in Manchester, hasn't it? It's happened in Liverpool. How did all that kick off? Um, okay, so at the time I never had a license. I had a company, but I didn't have a, a, a security license. So I had somebody running a company. What year is this? This is about two years ago. This. Okay. Um, so there's a. I'm, I'm not going to name the name of the club or the area, but there's a there's an area. Um, where there's a crew, I, I think there's there's over a hundred people in in this crew. They're massive. They joined up with another crew and put it all together. I'm, I won't say the name of them, and they kept going down doing the doorman. And every weekend, one of the doorman had like a, a wand, you know, to check for knives, and they took the wand off and smashed it over his head. This is, and I had doorman phoning me crying, saying, "Look, can you help us?" And like, you know, when they're there, phone me. So one night they phoned me and said, um, the lad's in here who's been starting. And so I'm I'm going down there all hyped up thinking, this guy's going to be six foot two, 20 stone of muscle, a big come and I've got their fucking scrawny little rat at nine stone wet. I mean, when I looked at him, I was you the little f- who's causing all this trouble in the club. She was like, yeah, so I've, I've got him up. I've given him a slap, give him a, like couple of slaps and I've got him outside and I've grabbed him and I said, you fucking come back near this club again. I said, I swear to God, I want to kill you. Just a figure of speech. You know, I just said that because I was angry. Two nights later, my bed screaming, Kevin, there's people outside the balaclavas on. I've ran the window, I've entered the busies, fucking sawed my door down, raided the house and the police and nicked me for murder. So oh. um, I'm like, murder? They were like, yeah. You've, you said you were going to kill someone and the lad you said you were going to kill has been shot dead. I was like, are you taking the piss? You're nicking me for that. So I got banged up for 36 hours, got released, was walking out the station, handcuffed again, brought back in 36 hours, walked back out the police station, handcuffed again. So that happened three times just over the road there. But obviously later on, I, you know, I had an alibi and they found the killer now and that. I mean, what was going through your mind when you were facing murder? Nothing. I wasn't worried about it because I knew I'd never done it. Mm. So I didn't, I wasn't worried. But then on the other hand, there is people out there who, who do get sent to prison for stuff they haven't done. So, like when I, when I phoned my dad, I said to my dad, "Look, this is because because they come to my house at first. This was after all that. So they've come to my house and said, hey, there's a warrant for your arrest.' I said, "There's a warrant for my arrest for what? They went just got in the car. So I'm like, going to fucking handcuff me then. You let me walk the car. They went, yeah, walk the car. As soon as I got in the car, they brought me to St. Anne's. And when I got there, there was a couple of CID and suits waiting for me. And they just said, look, we've done that. Um, you know, we didn't want to make a big scene at your house, but look, we're, we're going to put this to bed. But you can't say you're going to kill people. And stuff. And I said, look, I was just angry. And, you know, it was just, it was just the way it ended up. But it had nothing to do with us. I'm not going to kill someone over the door. If someone come after my family and hurt my family, my kids or something like that, then I've got nothing to lose. But other, you know, work scenario, I try to just you know, talk my way out of it without it getting hairy. But if, if it does, it does. That's mm. what I'm paid to do. So three times 36 hours, that's like four or five days, isn't it? Were you under yeah. interrogation the whole time? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Did you, I had a suit, they took, me, they took me clothes. I would, they put me in like a boiler suit with a hood on um, in the cell, like so... They took all my clothes for forensic, they raided my house. Um, yeah, just stuff like that. Well, where was your brain at, at the end of that, like the third 36 hours? I imagine you wasn't sleeping much. Um, yeah, I slept well, to be honest. Did I, you? I won't let them beat me. You know, <laughs> I, mean, just, like, I slept well. Um, I didn't eat none of the food, though, because like, there was, there was a, a casserole they brought in, and I swear to God, there was a big greenie in the side of it. Like, cause, oh. Yeah. Because after a couple, after like 36 hours when you're in there with the police, 
you know, at first you're talking to them normal, in the end it's like, fuck off, dickhead. I can't be arsed with you, you know what I mean? It's it's bullshit. Go, you, go and find a real killer. It's, it's not to do with me, so... Um, so the food wasn't too pleasant. No, I just food was horrible. Even the coffee, that was horrible. But I, I know I coffee. over-ordered tea when I'm there. Yeah, I had coffee and tea, <laughs> but I didn't eat any food. No. How many times have you been arrested? Um, well, I've, I've only, I've only like, I've only ever really been to jail once on remand. Um, Which jail was that? I was an old, I went to an old course, but that was a, a few years ago. Um, it's another story. So what happened was, um, I, as I say, when you're a kid, when you're young. You, you get you get enrolled by gangster sort of thing, drug dealer. So, you know, we, we did start selling weed for this person and stuff like that. And anybody else who sold weed in that area, we had to knock on the door and say, you've got to stop doing the weed or this is going to happen. So he didn't stop. He's been kidnapped. He's been put in the back of a car. He's been beat and he got a gun put in his mouth. Um, and he, he, he gave the lad a stupid partner. I wasn't there, but he, he did say it was me. And... Um, he said uh, the lad who had who had the gun at pointing at him was telling him to like watch his mouth, you no know, stop getting cheeky or he's going to get in and stop throwing. And the, the lad was just like fuck you, and you know I'm not scared. So the lad put the gun in his mouth and pulled the trigger. Then he shit his pants. Then like literally shit his kicks. And um, that little rat said it was me, so I got nicked for that. I got put in all course because it was the Easter period. I got put in all course on remand. And then um, they picked me up from all course. I can't remember exactly where it was, if it was like Bell, like towards Bellevale or Hale Wood Speak somewhere. But the police have got a police station. And at the back of the police station, they've got a house. And in that house is where you go and get an ID parade. So they've took me from all course to this police station. And when I've gone to the police station, they brought me in a room. They've shaved all my hair. They shaved all my beard because apparently when I was meant to have done this to the lad, I had a skinhead. And I never had um, a, <laughs> I never had a beard, so they had to shave me hair and shave me beard, and then put me on an ID parade. And oh. that's funny as well because when you're looking at the screens like this, you can you can see the shape. And I'm looking at it, and, I, and I swear, I'm giving him every look I can. My eyes are basically telling him, "You better keep your fucking mouth shut," even though it wasn't me. <laughs> you better keep your mouth shut. And um, I was number two in the ID parade. And then after it, they just everybody stand up. We all stood up, and then. We all stood up till the end of the season, walking past and walking out. And then I knew straight away, I'm, I'm getting, you know, even though it wasn't me and he said, I've done this, I'm getting away with this because he hasn't picked me out the ID parade. So when I walked out the ID parade, um, I got released. Well, I went back to jail and got released the next morning. Right, how, long, how long are you inside for on that one? But only about, only not, not long, not even a month about. Um, it was over the Easter period because they had to put me there because they couldn't release me and keep me in the St. Anne's police station. I was in there for about 20 days, 19 days. What was your routine in there? Um, truthfully, well, the, because I was younger back then, and like I said to you earlier on, we went now to different areas and we're fighting with people. I'll never forget it. Hmm. As soon as I walked in there, I just, there, Kev Warren, you're fucking getting it, you lad. That's the first thing, and I'm looking around, there's just doors, and I was an open jail, of course, as well. So I knew... Um, the next day, so yeah, that was just fighting every single day in there, like yeah. holy shit, what? yeah, yeah. What was the first one? Um, just walking out myself and um, just seeing a lad called uh, Ollie from Anfield. As soon as I walked out myself, just ran straight over that hour with me. So I'd already we'd already battered him and his crew a couple of months prior to that. Like as I said, we went round to different areas. I'm 
and just started trouble. So he he's seen me on my own and thought, well, when he's on his own, I'll go over. But he got a mistake, you know, he got his head punched in. Second one. <laughs> Second one was just um, where I got it with a snooker cue. Um, I actually lost this one. There was about four of them what jumped me on this one, like a, a crew from Scotty Road. And again, was it for the brief? Uh, the yeah, it was from, yeah, it was yeah. from because well, the lad actually was called Tank and he could bang like Tank was a knockout nation, like, and uh, he's probably the even as even as now in this day and age, you know, we we fight on the doors that if people attack us, you have to defend ourselves. But I'd say he was the hardest punch I've ever received. I'd say only I reckon he probably I've never been knocked out, but it was the closest to it. Let's put it like that. Mm. Like he, he hit me with some force, and then before I knew it, there's like four or five people just like fucking whacking me with um, snooker cues, and one of them snapped, and he was like trying to stab me in the back with it and stuff like that. But, he didn't manage to. No, I didn't. Well, he was he was hitting me with it, but it didn't do anything. Just scratched me and that, like like I said, pussy. We'll try and. The viewers want you to go can. through all of these. <laughs> yeah, they love that. <laughs> well, not just going in the showers was you know was was one fighting in the showers, fighting when you're having your dinner, fighting in the gym. You know, that's it. I never went looking for it. It just, I'm walking, someone runs at me and you've got, you've got to fight. And then after the, after all that, then, you know, I, I got released because, you know, the lad didn't pick me out in the ID play, but it was heavy, like. Did you have a cellmate or anything? No, I was on my own in there. I was on my own. But like I said, this is going back years ago. And like I said, it wasn't, it was like, oh, the best way to describe it is like, so... We lived in Kensington. Friday nights, we went out, had a bevy. Then when we're all pissed, some people would be doing whatever they're doing. We'd walk to Old Swan. We'd fight with them. Next Friday, we'd go to Anfield. We'd fight with them. Next week after that, we'd go to Tubrook and fight with them. We'd walk up to Nogsy, we'd go and fight with them. So we're causing enemies everywhere. And we'd, every time we went and had a fight, we left our name. So you want to know where we are, we're such and such. Or from Kenny, come and see us if you want, because that's what we were after. People were out at that age selling drugs, making pure dough. We just wanted to get out there and fight with everybody. So that it must be Christmas for them in prison. Pardon? It must have been Christmas for them in prison. You yeah, they were happy when they see me, yeah. <laughs> there was just like different lads from different crews in there, do you know what I mean? So that's it, really. You know, it's. So you were just ready at any moment for it to happen? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. You loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, you know what? I've got, like, I've. Yeah. I've chilled with people there who, who I wouldn't even mess with and they've said, yeah, Kevin, I've got to prison. My arse went, when I got to prison and I heard people shouting, Kev, what and where are you getting it? I, I loved that. I went like, oh, I'm going to go to him. I was like, watch then. And the next day, as soon as my cell door opened, I knew something was coming. I was, I was prepared. And even now in this day and age, I never switch off. My brain is always active. Even if I'm going to out with my kids and my missus on a day out, I'm still prepared for something to come. Look, I can't switch off. I wish I could, but I can't. That's why you're good at security, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I hope so, yeah. You mentioned mum's in the showers. That's a particularly vulnerable point to get someone, isn't it? You're still vulnerable, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, you're vulnerable, yeah. yeah. And obviously it's not it's not nice fucking fighting with your, with your cock hanging out, sorry about the language, <laughs> but, you know, it's it, it, it's horrible. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it, it happens. Like like I said, I've, I've, had, I've had two friends in jail. I'm not going to mention his name, but he's a, he's from Liverpool. Um, and he, he's, he likes touching people and stuff like that. And oh, he, um, I he, think I know he, he, Yeah, he raped a friend of mine in Walton him. And he's dead now, like he hung himself. That's why every time I see him, 
we run at him. Like he was in, he was in Kensington. If you see it on YouTube, does he carry a plastic bag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fucking on him. Yeah, it's you know. Yeah, we've had loads of people on uh, give us stories about him. So yeah, he's it's fucking like horrible, mixed, mate. He's horrible. Like, like he was in Kenny. Did you see him in Kensington? Somebody was setting fireworks off. Yeah, and, he just bounced off yeah, his head. That was all us. He yeah. didn't even blink. I was like, didn't what, blink. People were setting fireworks off at him. Yeah, fireworks hits his head. He didn't even blink. He's going explodes on his head. He didn't even blink. Yeah, didn't even blink. Honest to God, if Aki come in here now, like he's got, how would you say it? He's got abnormal strength. Just he, if he got it, you can't let him get. If he grips you, you're fucked. It doesn't Why, matter who me. you he are. Wouldn't be interested in me. I ain't got no muscles. No, he's not interested. He's not interested <laughs> in women at all. Me, you know, he just, no. you know, he likes victims and people who are big. But there's a gym in Kenny called Gym Twenty One where um, I'd seen and that Billy Jones, good mate of mine, great gym as well. And years ago, we used to stand outside there and you wouldn't believe how many people we've walked past who were standing there like that. And he's like, Whoa. Hanging off it. Oh, mate, he's <laughs> horrible. He's horrible, mate. He's, he's horrible. Has he ever tried to feel your muscles? No. He, he, well, when we were younger and we were coming out of Ken, he shouted us over, but we always just used to throw a punch and run when we were younger. It's like you said, he's like a robot. Yeah, you bang, Achie, mate. He, don't, he doesn't feel a thing. And he'll just stand there? He won't He'll react. just stand there, yeah. But even if you put, like Sean said, then they were, they were shooting fireworks at him and they were blowing up in his face. It wasn't even... He didn't even budge. Didn't, didn't budge. budge. It was like, it hadn't even happened. He just was at this stir, like... <laughs> Honest to God, yeah. <laughs> Honestly. And everyone was like, like how can you get the fuck out of Kenny and on that? In the end, he had to go because there was people coming around to make him go. Not with fireworks, obviously. And um, he, he had to get out of there, but now we can't come back around by where we're from. He was um, banned from my town, witness. He, he was feeling my mates. Wild man who's dead now, R.I.P. Picture in the corner there. He used to get in his car and go running around with him and everything. Yeah. But he, um, he used to f- come and feel his muscles and our mates' muscles in witness. Yeah, well, he don't... But he got it overturned, the ban through. He said it was racist or something. Yeah, well, he's, yeah. Well, he's, he's quite a legal eagle, isn't he? he well, legal you know, his, dad, his mum and dad, I don't know if this is true, but apparently his dad's a barrister. You know, his mum and dad aren't, aren't um, like scumbags or normal. They're like barristers. Sort of middle class or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Aki... He sits in court every day. You go to the, the Crown Court, he's there every day and he's he's learning everything. Aki is the most, in, I don't know what you call Aki, gangster, whatever, but he's the most intelligent guy in the underworld I know in Liverpool. Aki would get you off with anything. He, you know, if he wasn't a, if he wasn't a wrong one, he'd be someone you'd hire to come and get you off for a case because he's so intelligent. We had Jeff Ollerhead on and he said that Aki was in the general population in prison because he was getting so many prisoners early releases and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he was. Appeals and... Yeah, that's true. Filing motions and... Because he knows everything. Like his, like I said, his, his mum and dad, there's something to do with being a barrister or a solicitor, something like that. And Aki, every day, you go to the Liverpool Crown Court now, I guarantee you, you'll see that Tesco bag and Aki sitting there. You said you wanted to find him, so there you go. Well... Peter wanted to get him on so he could give his side of the story. Ah, yeah. yeah, I don't know if he, I don't know if I could come on that, but I don't know you. You know that might not look good for you. People don't like Aki. He's not a. He hasn't got a side. Everything you read in the papers is true about him. It's as simple as that. The funny thing is, when I left my hometown in '91, Aki was on the front page of the Witness Weekly News. Yeah, come back in 2007. Go to the shop. Witness Weekly News, Aki, <laughs> exact same thing, touching muscles. Well, did you see what he done with the with the St. Helens rugby team? No. 
You know, yeah, no, I've right. heard this so one. So Aki blagged his way in to the St. Helens rugby team's gym. <laughs> he had the whole of the St. Helens rugby squad in a big, massive jacuzzi. Every one of them sat there like that, terrified. <laughs> felt every one of them went to prison for that. I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the whole St. Helens rugby team. So now they're all big men, aren't they? And Aki, oh. Aki somehow got in their gym. And walked, persuaded them all into the fucking They didn't the persuade them. As, I think they knew he was as soon as they seen him and they just froze. They just shit themselves. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, that's a true story. He got into St. Helens Rugby Club and, and got most of the players. They're all, obviously they're all in a jacuzzi and a pair of ballies or a pair of bills, whatever they're wearing. And he's in his elements. He's running around like a dog with a bone when he's seen <laughs> oh that. Oh my God. He's like, yes, look at all these muscles. And they knew who he was and, and they shit themselves and he got away with feeling a few muscles. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. So there's theories that he's got away with stuff for so long because there's firms have been behind him or using him for debt collecting, things like that. Is there anything to that? Well, well, that rat who's the leader of the Childer crew, he hired Aki to sit outside his house on Childer Street when we were having a beef with him. But then like, he, he wasn't there too long. All you've got to do with Aki is just keep coming back at him and he'll move, but then on the, he ne- he'll never let it go. He will want to come after you. Have you ever seen him go? Do you know what I've ever seen Aki do, truthfully? It's just stand there and take the punch. He never fights back. So he's like a human brick wall? Yeah, he, he's like... He goes in his own zone, he zones out. You know what I mean? He just hits him, he just stands there. But, I mean, I've heard stories about him grabbing you. He, he's one of them. If you're small and vulnerable and you're behind a closed door with him, then he's coming on you, that's it, he's, he's going to get you. But if you're out in public on the streets, he, he doesn't he doesn't fight back, no. But he doesn't go for small, does he? I had an ex-girlfriend at a witness, and she was going out with a rugby player, <laughs> and she said this was a, a tough guy. He was like, you know, a fighter yeah. and everything. And Aki, when Aki came around, he was cowering, hiding, like in the bedroom, locking himself in the closet, saying, tell, <laughs> Aki, tell, tell him I'm not here, tell him yeah, I'm not here. listen, make no mistake. If he's out, even if you come outside my house, I'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake, get the machete ready, simple as that. You know, if he grabs you, you're fucked, that's it. Doesn't matter who you are, how hard you are. Or, Aki's just got abnormal strength. Have you seen him a lot these days? I seen him a couple of months ago when Kenny, when he was getting the fireworks, like I, we we were in the street watching, like tell shout to get out of there. But because um, has, has he been run out of Liverpool then? No, he's been run out of Kensington for now. But now if he sees this podcast, he will come back <laughs> just to prove a point. Do you think he watches our podcasts? Do you think he watches the podcast? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 I'm out of shape now, so he won't be probably interested in coming after me, but people who you get on using great muscles and that, yeah. Well, Sean started developing little muscles, didn't yeah. you? Leave Sean alone, Aki, or I'll come after <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, but you are welcome to come on to tell your side. That was, yeah, people will be interested in that. Because there's been such a range of views on the channel, he's got a right to reply if he wants to do that. Yeah, of course. I can yeah. reach out, I probably, yeah. Um, what other characters... You got stories of any characters in the Liverpool scene? Like who? Like who? Like I don't know who the big characters are now. I mean, because I'm, I'm like, like, I mean, like Sam Walker. He's he's doing boss for the public, isn't he? You know, Sam Sam's doing good, going to other countries, and raising money for charity, and raising money for charity. Um, and Darren G, you know, Darren G is was no knobhead at all. I'm glad to see Darren changing his life. You know, this mm. um, 
no knife crime stuff and choose a life not a knife yeah choose a life yes. not a knife and just keep up the good work lads there's, there's other characters I really like there's a name I'd love to mention to you he'd never come on a podcast and you know he's, he's, he's a very very dangerous man in this city but um, I can't mention his no. name can you describe him a bit to me <laughs> Very powerful in the security industry, I'll say that. Um, like I said, I weren't, I weren't fascinated by footballers or boxers or anything like that when I was a kid. I seen this guy and I wanted to be like him. I wanted to grow up and have a company like him and I worked for him for years. Um, it was actually his dad who gave me a shot at the security because I was being a bit of a pain in the ass in town before I got into the security, you know, just fighting with Dorman and the lads would say, can I go over to see if you can knock him? I'm going to bang on Dorman. And I got, I got a phone call and um, someone said, such and such as, as, as called you, called you to like, he brought me to a cafe in Crockstuff and it's this fella's dad. So he's brought me in and he went, do you want a breakfast? I went, and as I've sat down, he's given me a fucking big slap round the back. And you're becoming to be a pain in my fucking ass, you. So I went, oh, his name was Billy. I'll say that, I won't go no more. I said, oh, Billy, he went, look, why don't you start your own firm and come and work for us? Back then, you didn't need a licence. Come and work for us. And what we'll do is we'll give you loads of work, what we don't want. So that's how I started off in 2012 with the, with the Olympics. And God rest his soul, Billy's died now. But um, that's how I got into the security game with that guy's dad. So you said you started around the Olympics. Was yeah, that 2012, pardon. That oh. was only when I started my own business. Uh, I was working on the doors from 15 years of age. What but was it like for the Olympics? Was it chaos? It was chaos, but it was brilliant. Like one of my guards got run over. What? Yeah, he got run over there, yeah. What? Yeah. What was the situation? Well, it's his own fault, really. Like, he, did, he got back up and carried on working, believe it or not. But he, a, there was a car flying down and we weren't allowed to let anybody get in the road. Like I said, even though they work for me and they're doing a job, I don't expect anybody to risk their life. They've got kids, they've got a family. I don't want anybody risking their life. And there's a car coming and he's decided to stand there and put his hand up no. to stop the car. Fucking thought the car had stopped and it didn't. Bonneted him, smashed the windscreen and went right over. Fella got nicked like. And he, he just got up and got Just got up and just like wiped himself down like that and just carried on working. <laughs> so, yeah, that. But, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. The, way, the worst one was, um, what I've ever done was Glastonbury. I'd, really? I love the festival. Yeah, I've seen people dead and tense, drug overdoses. I've seen a man running past us when, when I've looked, he had an axe, like a hatchet stuck on the side of his back. And my dad... I don't know what Glastonbury I'm seeing, but I ain't seen that. Yeah, because we're security, we see it all. Like, you know, we're the ones who have to go to tents where the, the bacon cakes with weed in and stuff like that. What, what we see, you don't see. That's why we've got the Land Rovers to throw the people in the back and get them off site. But like, we've seen dead bodies. Well, I'll tell you the story. This one happened in Stafford. Me, our fella was about six foot four, but he's passed on now. Big man. But and um, we we done a job in Stafford, and um, on the radio it was a kid been attacked. So like a kid's been attacked, we flew to this tent, and as soon because I worked at my arm, so as soon as we've jumped out the, the the Land Rover, this woman's ran up and and jumped on my dad, and she was clawing his face. She was you fucking scout scum bastard and all that. So we're like, wow, wow, what's going on? And the paramedics are there. And I've never seen my dad cry, and I don't think my dad was ever the same after this. He had a bit of a breakdown, and when the ambulance came out, there was a kid with all slices on his face. And someone tried to rob them and slashed his face with a, you know, a, a Stanley knife, but they had the blade, no oh. knife, and he was three. 
And it was a scouser who done it. So when we've got out, my dad's gone to his knees and just cried seeing it while I've stood there getting attacked by the woman after she's already attacked my dad, blaming us. And we never found who done that. But I'll tell you this, if we did, me and my dad would have went to prison for a long time if we'd have got that, you know, we were kids, like three-year-old kids, because they tried to jack her. So oh, that, that was probably terrible. the worst the worst. That was worse than bodies, what we've seen and people with that. Just, we've actually even found a gun in a festival as well. Really? Yeah, yeah. We found guns, samurais, machetes, bullets, knives, drugs, dead bodies, kids. You know, you see people jump on the fence. Yeah. Here's another story. So we've ran over and, and as we're by the fence, I've, I've, I've heard a blanket crying. So there's a big duvet on the floor. And it's crying, I'm hearing a, a baby's cry. So we went over to all the blanket opened it and, and the woman and the man was trying to jump over the fence. They actually wrapped the baby up in a quilt. No. Through, I swear on my kids' lives. They oh, threw it over the threw, fence threw, before they went? Threw it over the fence and then jumped over because they couldn't carry all the stuff. Oh, that is disgusting. It's, you wouldn't believe what people do to try and get in, <sighs> get in um, events. I mean, couldn't believe it. I've known people jump, like put... Uh, what is it? Cowgate's up to the fence to get yeah. over it. Glass not that high. But the new, you know, the new ones that were there because they've been done in the last yeah. sort of ten years, haven't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've never heard anyone chuck a baby over yeah. the fence. Yeah. Baby being hit, not like it was well wrapped up, but you just wouldn't take the chance of that, would you? But that's no. that's some of the stories what I've seen there, like a hundred percent. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. There's a word from our sponsor, Rocket Money, formerly Truebill. If you're missing your credit card payments or you need to make a budget, you need our favorite financial app, Rocket Money, formerly Truebill. So why did Truebill change its name to Rocket Money? I'll tell you what I heard. Truebill, now backed by Rocket Companies, has grown from a bill management app into a full-on personal finance empowerment tool that helps over 3.4 million people with budgeting, lowering bills, cancelling subscriptions and more, saving each of their members on average $700 a year, which is approximately £1,000. And with all that growth comes the next evolution in Truebill's story, a new name. Bottom line, rocket money is everything I've loved about Truebill, but with a fresh look and feel. Start cancelling your unused subscriptions and save money at Rocket Money dot com forward slash Sean S H A U N. That's rocketmoney dot com forward slash Sean S H A U N. Or download the app from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Thank you for supporting our sponsor, Rocket Money. Link will be in the description box if you're watching on YouTube. And what about the dead bodies in the tents? Yeah, Were they just, just overdosed? Two, two, two. I've seen one in AT in a park in Scotland and one in Glastonbury. Yeah, um, just all drug overdosed. Because you heard about that politician who died in the toilet at Glastonbury, didn't you, from an no. overdose? No. Yeah, the tent, it's horrible. Like, you know, it, it is horrible. You just open the tent and they're just there all, like, just slobber all over them. Some of them are bleeding from the nose, the eyes, like where they've had an hemorrhage. Well, I think one had a brain hemorrhage because they had blood all out their eyes, the nose, their ears. And another one definitely had an heart attack, like, under... I, I'm not sure... And I thought the toilets what? were bad there. Oh, yeah, the toilets yeah. are horrible. What we do on the last day, we get the lads to go, we say they go in the toilets, push them over. Oh, my God, they're <laughs> give disgusting. Them a, give them a little present to go home, smell and shit. Only as a joke. Oh, I, opened, I was at the pyramid stage, I opened the toilet door one morning and it was like day three into it. 
and the smell, the pungent smell that hit me, yeah. I vomited there and then. Yeah. It was that bad. So I can only imagine the getting shit's that. coming out the toilet, isn't it's it? disgusting. You wouldn't be able to, if you're a woman, you're not going to be able to sit down and have a wee in there because you'd be no, shitting you just, on someone's No, you don't use the bottle like... you've got to use those drop toilets because they're actually more hygienic, go figure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a, another story. Yeah, it is horrible, like. Remember that person that saw us, they sat down on the toilet and felt something touch the bomb? Yes. But it was, yeah, the, it was, it was the pile of shit. Shit, yeah. yeah. 100% listen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, haven't we, when we needed to in the festival, but yeah, it, it's it's horrible, like, it is scatty, and you're in, a, you're in a tent for three days sometimes, and you can't even get a wash, you're washing yourself a bottle of water, brushing your teeth. You know? <laughs> it is horrible, but it's the stuff what we do, isn't it? Pays oh, yeah. the bills. Do you do anything overseas? No, I I haven't done anything overseas. Um, to be honest with you, I, I run a lot of I, I run a few doors up by Everton Football Club and Everton fans so will do a lot of work there. Um, and someone, funny enough, I was there on Saturday and someone's just asked me to do a door in Marbella. You gonna do it? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm definitely interested. A hundred percent. Get a tan. Yeah, get a tan, live a better life. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in it. But right now in Marbella, there's a few scouts over there who are having a war like with the Irish. So. You know, you got to be careful with that. I don't mm. want to end up getting me. I blew off for nothing. If I get me, if I get shot, I want to get shot for me. I don't want to get shot <laughs> for a mistaken identity. You know what I mean? Are the Russian mafia are they heavy out there in Spain? Do you know what? Everywhere I go when when I go to Spain or anywhere else, like it's not the Russians anymore. The Albanians are the, they're in control. Albanians are running everything. They, I know they're heavy in the drug scene in Bristol. They're bigger than the Russian mafia. Now, with Marbella and in um, Benidorm and places like that, Maloca, you've the, you've got the Albanians there, not the Russians anymore. The Albanians have took over 110%. Would you say that's a different level of violence? Yeah. I, I know a couple of Turkish people from um, London. Um, I, I fuck with anyone in Liverpool. If it comes to me, we'll go for it. But you got to think about, you know, years ago, if I had no kids and that, I would have went toe-to-toe with anybody. But, you know, the Turkish Mafia, the Albanians, they'll come after your kids, your wife, your parents, your brothers. Your they don't roll like us. They will chop you to bits. It's as simple as that. Have you heard any stories of that happening? <sighs> I've heard one story about the Turkish, yeah, but I'm not going to go into that. Gotcha. I can't. Yeah, yeah, no worries. So when I was a kid then growing up, you know, we, from Witness, we heard about all the different areas of Liverpool and which ones were the most notorious and stuff. Talk stuff always had a reputation. How, how has it changed? Like, because this was back in the 80s. Now is Talk stuff still regarded as, you know, quite heavy for gangs and stuff? Or? See, years ago in Liverpool, like I've got people black in my family, you know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, Liverpool like, was, was, a, was a cut-off section in Liverpool back in them days. You know, you, you had a few, like, you had Panama, you know, you had, like, P, oh, I don't know. Like, you had, you had about three or four different names who were, who were big. I, I, I never really heard of, of the other fellow you were mentioning earlier on, but, like, um, you had, like, three or four people who ran talk stuff. Like when Curtis went away. Because we, like, we had Michael Showers on the channel. Yeah, Michael Showers, yeah. Johnny Phillips, um, Curtis Warren. Um, we had like um, Panama, you know, they were the, yeah, they were the, the series. Then you had the Ungies and stuff like that down there. Like David Ungies, he's dead now, God rest this all. So yeah, they, they had certain names down there. They didn't have crews like what we did in... Kensington, Wavertree and, and stuff like that. Are there many crews around these days? 
you know what? You know, there's 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 a lot. There's a there's a lot of gangs now. Like it's drug gangs, isn't it now? It's drug gangs. But you know, years ago people used to go, Wow, that gangster, he's a bastard, that guy. You know when all the gangsters, the big names all went died to death, that's when everything's fell apart. Because now if a big name gangster come to me in Liverpool, I'd have it, no problem at all. It's not him what I'm worried about. It's the 15 year old kids who I'm worried about. And I don't, and I'm saying people who aren't even a man, I'm saying kids, 15 year old kids in Liverpool for 300 quid will come and blow your head right off for 300 quid. Get a gun for 200 quid up here now. Wow. Liverpool is heavy. There's no such thing as a big, powerful family in this city. Names don't mean shit in this city anymore, they don't mean anything. Do you find that helped when there was a big name? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I hope it gets back to that, but I don't think it ever will. I think everyone is, everybody in this city gets the 15 and crocs the Fnora screen, Kensington, wherever, and you're recruited into a in, into a drug gang. And then you, it's like, you get an order, you got to go and do it. Like, I know a lad. Okay, so years ago, when I'm talking about crews, we, we were all a group of mates once. One of my own mates got told by someone we were working for to kill our other mate who was dead close to us. So we went to his house saying, he's just said, You're, you've got to go. So what one of the lads done was he, he, he had to sit there and say, just shoot me in the leg. So we sat there and he mate just went, fuck off, shot him in the leg and went back to the fella who, who, who sent him there and he just said, look, we tried to kill him, we've got him in the leg, he went, we'll just leave it, leave it as that now. So we saved his life by... We saved his life by someone shooting him in the leg in his own kitchen. We're like, everyone's sitting there having a drink and he, he's he's charged off his head and he's like, fucking do it, do it. And he mates just went bang, fuck off. And just shot him in the leg. And then uh, obviously the next day when the police would come to the hospital and that, he said, I was walking down the street and someone shot me. The, the guy who actually ordered the hit is dead now himself, thank God. But um, yeah, that's the, that's, the, that's the type of shit what we had to do back then, like. Absolutely mad. What do you think the solution for this is, Kev? <coughs> the solution? To get all these drug gangs, like, legalised drugs or...? No, I don't even... You're never going to leave legalised drugs out. They might do with the weed and that, but they're never going to leave... But weed's the biggest one, isn't it? Yeah, weed's the biggest and one. Coke. Well, that's what we done when we were younger. Like, we, we just done the weed and Kenny and we wouldn't let anyone else who sold it, they had to stop straight away. And we did make good money. It wasn't profit, but we probably turned in about a grand a day. Something like that. But then I, after that, I, I turned into a bit of an idiot, to be honest, because say we were running out of money or whatever, because we'd party, we'd spend money. I'd phone someone for like four key of weed or whatever and just bumped them. And then he'd knock on the door and just say, have you got that dough? What dough? Well, I, you know, I mean, it's 22 grand for weed. It's like, fuck off, you know, I'm not paying you for that. And then I ended up going around bumping people. And I never, ever went through anyone's door or nothing like that. But we ended up getting loads of stuff. People wanted us to, to sell the drugs in Kenny because we had a big crew and we were no one there. So, but the, the worst mistake was, was people was giving us loads of stuff. We were seeing big money. We just weren't paying it. I'd say, me and the, and the crew back in the day, I'd say we probably owe about £300,000 out in this city of drugs we've took off people and never paid. Pretty penny. And did you say uh, the recruitment is they get the kids in, front them something and then rob it the same night and then they're in debt and they own them? That's exactly how they do it, mate. Or if if this gangster rat grass has got a court case going on, he'll give some kid a gun and then send the police through his door. That's how it works a lot. These big people, that's what they do. You know, the ones who are like the leader of the gang, because it's always a growing man who are our 15, 16-year-old kids. 
because they, but but this childer crew I was going on about earlier on after it all happened I ended up phoning them and saying I know you're more scared of him than you are of us even though we've won this war but you we will help you if you want to come out so if you want to get out that crew you come with us and we'll make sure no one hates you and really I'd love to do that for the kids this day and age if anybody out there is scared and worried that they're getting bullied reach out to me I will help you I will. That's wonderful. Especially how, how, in can, how can they reach out to you? Facebook, my name, just drop me a private message and say you're in a crew, you're scared, and I, and I will help you. I will. We'll, we'll put the links below this yeah, video. We'll Are there many the charities out there that, that do some stuff like this? It's spread out, in it? Because the government's cut all the funding. Yeah, people are scared to talk with, with legitimate people. What people will say to me will stay with me. You know, I didn't, I don't, it's, it's even awkward being on this podcast, but like what people will say to me, I'll stay with me and we'll help them. And it's easy because when, when these people who were in crews see these young kids have gone to another adult who's capable, they don't want to know. They just shit themselves. They'll just recruit another kid and, and then bully him into it. It's mad. And that's what they're doing in Liverpool. Probably doing that everywhere now. But Liverpool's bad for that. So you're saying a gangster in trouble will shop a kid by planting a gun in his house. 150% meter. What will happen to that kid then if they're underage and they've got a gun? Do they still get... They want to go to jail, aren't they? Yeah. They're not treated... Well, they would be treated as a minor, but... They'd be treated odd. as a minor, yeah, but they, they, they're still... You know, they're still getting... They're still getting time knocked off their stuff. They're not asked what they do to the kids in the pool as long as they're making money and, and staying out of jail. And it's the Scottish runs, what are the worst as well? Like, you, you wouldn't believe how many kids are doing the Scotland runs, like on trains and stuff like that. It's... County Lines? Yeah, the ball lead into it. So the County Lines comes out of Liverpool, does it? Yeah, it comes out of Liverpool. All the way to Scotland. You've got to understand, we've got the docks here. You know, we, 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 you know, people from London come to Liverpool. It's, you know, you get the best up here and that's it. Simple as that. So a lot of people have come on and told police stories of corruption, Merseyside police. You got any experience or heard anything about that? Yeah, yeah. Cops getting in, in the drugs game and things yeah, like that. Yeah, there's a few busies like driving now that for, he actually got nicked doing this and it was a mate of mine. He was driving keys of coke and weed around the city in a police car on duty. So he was going up somewhere, flagging a car, getting gear, sort of putting it in his car and doing the drops while he was on duty. He was in the Liverpool Echo. He, he got nicked for it, this officer. Um, another one years ago, um, He's dead now. I can't really mention his name, but if you had any problems in the security industry or you had any problems with guns or anything like that, you went to a certain place in Liddleland, go to a flat, go upstairs and, and talk with this copper. Now, he was a retired copper. These are these are on YouTube as, uh, on Google and that as well, these two, O'Leary and that, and then he'd have another busy who went to his flat. So we went to the retired copper, and then the retired copper had reached out to the man who's in the police force, and we, he, he used to take time off sick, go in when he's off sick in his uniform, log onto computers, and then tell us what's going on. If you're on surveillance, you get a nick for a gun charge or you, whatever, and he helped a lot of people out. But in the end, a lot of people went to to jail for it because his flat was bugged. Oh. And um, a lot of people got talk, got caught talking to him. But, uh, other, but yeah, there's a few. There was a, like, yeah, there's, there's a few. There's a few. So being on the doors, did you have much trouble with women? 
you know, you, you no. were, good question yeah. good great question because you women are the worst <laughs> I would rather deal with 30 men with glasses bottles on their own than, than three women mate women are the worst you know, the hanging off your head, the claw in your face, the spitting out, yeah, watch, I'm getting my brother down, do you know this person? And I, some people, some of them chat shit, some of them do actually bring people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, power mad, power mad, power mad women in Liverpool, I mean, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Have you got a story where someone was brought? Someone was what? Or a woman said, brought, I'm going to get... Brother, well, to be honest with you, there was a woman who threatened me with... Um, <laughs> saying she's from the Grasdale and he's going to come down and blow my head off and all that. So Recently? Speak, no, years ago. Years ago. So we all thought shit like the coming down now. So we did phone our bosses and because at the time I worked for someone and we got mugged up and she did come down with the like, well, like I said, he got up the car. He was cool. He just said, ignore her. She's, she's waffling shit. Shook her hands. And, and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are there yeah. any other times? Um, no, not really. Like, I mean, we can go on about football, but going away with Everton and fighting. Stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, go for I haven't it. done the football stuff yet. Yeah, so. I, I'm not going to lie, I'm not a football fan at okay, all. Okay, yeah, so back in 2005. Okay, so I will say this. So <clears throat> people have got me mistaken for being a county road cutter. Yes, I'm involved with a lot of them. I know a lot of them, but I went away fighting with Everton, but I was never in the county road cutters. And I'll tell you why, and it's no disrespect to the guy who's the, meant to be the leader of it, but the, the, the guy who's meant to be the leader of the county road cutters is not from Liverpool. So I could never I could never understand that. I'd never, ever, when people would say his name, he's in charge, I was like, I'm not a cutter, I'd just go away on mute. I never went in it because he wasn't a scouser. There's a guy called Barry, I won't mention his second name, who was, if he was the leader, I would have, 100% went in, into the county road cutters with him but the guy who ran it it's not even from Liverpool he's from over the water somewhere so I never ever went in the, in the county road cutters so people assume that I'm in the cutters but I'm not people think I was one of the leaders I, I wasn't but we went away me and a couple of the lads and when we seen fighting going on we got involved so in 2005 there's an article about me and the county road cutters and it's apparently it was probably the worst football violence they've ever seen. I sent you the, the link to it and it says it's like the worst they've ever seen. So we're walking back from Everton 2005 and we're playing Man United and our scousers and Manx, we fucking hate each other but I've got good friends in Manchester as well. And um, so we're walking back up Everton Brow and it's going off, there's fighting and there's, there's, there's Manx running towards me and we're just banging and they're all smashed. We never drank when we went the game. I stayed fresh. So there's people running over, boom, put him out put him out and we're fighting and then some cunts come over and as I'm fighting there's a police horse coming towards me and as I've seen the horse and I'll never forget this and whoever the officer was with the horse didn't mean to do this but they saved my life so as the horses ran past I'm fighting and as I've looked at the horse thinking shit I'm getting a bat and the horse has gone that way but as I've looked I've seen a lad with a knife he's gone to stab me right on the side of the neck so only for that horse coming so I'm fighting blah 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 there's a horse coming. I've turned thinking the horse is going to come and nick us with the busy on it, but it's gone that way. And as I've looked, there's a lad who's gone, so I've grabbed the knife, I've butted him a bit, and he's dropped the knife. And as he's dropped the knife, I don't know who done it, but he got stabbed up the arse about six or seven times. So, uh, sorry, stabbed up the arse? Yeah, he got stabbed up the arse about six or seven times, yeah. Um, like, and as I say, we all got arrested after that. I mean, does uh, somebody survive a stab at the arse? No, it didn't go up his arsehole, I don't think it might have, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I hope it did, because he was going to stab me in the neck. But yeah. um, 
Wow. It wasn't me who'd done it, obviously, yeah. but uh, he, you, you know, yeah, he got stabbed a few times in the arse. Like, For oh. our American audience then, can you explain County Road Cutters, what, what is this, how it came about? Yeah, it's just a football hooligan firm, um, what fights for Everton Football Club. Um, we just go, you know, basically our form, it's just a normal, you know, it's just normal people going to away matches. We get on minibuses, we drink, we party. Well, I never, ever drink when I went away. I drink when I go home. But I never, you know, everyone's on the minibuses, people are drinking, partying, and then you'd get to to Chelsea, Millwall, Villa, Newcastle, Leeds, wherever. People would start throwing stuff off the buses. And I'm one of them, me. I, I, used, to, I used to have all the lads on the coach saying, Kev, Whatever you do, don't fucking jump out the bus. Soon as something I did the bus up, the fucking that's it. I'm out and and we'd fight. Millwall, we don't get on with at all. We killed one of their fans years ago. Yeah, so every time there's an FA Cup draw, Millwall will put on their ground and they spray it in red. Please, God, give us everything. I'm not a football hooligan. The reason being is. This is what I've always said. That's weekend gangster shit as far as I'm concerned. I've got this shit going on seven days a week, 15 hours a day while I'm awake. I sleep the rest. 15 hours a day, every day. People who are hooligans, they go to football, they have a fight, they go and have a nine-to-five job on a Monday morning, go back to work. It's it's, it's a completely different thing. It's it's weird. But, it's, and they're doing it for fun, aren't they? It's not yeah, a business. they're doing it for fun. No like business at all. But, like a sport. Yeah, it's, it's a sport. Go away with Everton. And if they don't want to have a fight, it's a shit day. Even if we win or lose, you have a fight, it's a good day. But uh, the County Road Cutters <laughs> are finished now. Um, we've got Everton youth. So the younger generation, they're called Everton youth now. But um, the County Road Cutters, they're finished now. But there's a lot of guys in who I respect. The Scouts ones anyway, who I look up to. And every time I'm on the doors around Everton, they come, I've never had a problem there. Because everybody looks after each other. So what if Liverpool would play Everton when you we, were, when the county road cutters were around? Liverpool Football Club, there's more Evertonians in, in this city than Liverpool. Liverpool, you know, I'm not going to say they're a bigger club because Everton, I love Everton, I'll die for Everton, but Liverpool are worldwide. Everton is, 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 a, is a Scouse club. You go to Everton, it's your fucking gun. You, you know, it's Scouse. You go to Anfield, people are reading You'll Never Walk Alone off a spreadsheet because they don't know what the song is. <laughs> That's the difference in mentalities with club. But um, I don't want to start no hooligan war or nothing like that. <laughs> this is the thing, the shit ours was waiting till he was about four blues walking home and then about 20 of them were throwing bricks and they're attacking. When we're firmed up, we walked to Anfield, police barricaders, 3,000 strong Evertonians. They don't want to know then. They fucking run, they don't want an award, they're giving us that out the window, you know, of Liverpool Stadium. But then if when the first day they don't want to come near us. But when there's only a couple walking over from the game, then yes, they will they will attack us. And Liverpool that's and they're most at risk. Yeah, we used to sit together in a pub and have a drink and a laugh. I've got two brothers, what a copites. When we're playing them, I'd have no hesitation on knocking my brothers clean out because of of the way it gets. It, it, it's getting a bit fierce between Liverpool and Everton right now. So what's the Liverpool hooligan firm called? Um, the Urchins, I think they're called. The Urchins? Yeah, the like Urchins. Like a sea urchin. Just the Urchins, mate. That, and even back when it was County Road Cutters, was it the Urchins? Yeah, the Urchins are still, just, you know, they're still about. County Road Cutters were still about. Uh, Everton Youth's about. Um, but yeah, they're the Urchins. Liverpool's called the Urchins. So is the beef bigger between Liverpool or Man U? Yeah, well, Liverpool, you know, Scousers were Scousers. I suppose if it kicks off between... 
Say, for instance, Man City and Man United both come to Liverpool, then obviously we'd have to join up with the Cags. The Cags <laughs> is the Copite. It's a Copite to gobshite. So, yeah, so that's why we call them Cags. But yeah, if, if Man U and Man City come, we, yeah, we'd, we'd have to join. It's a Scouse first Man thing. We'd have to. You know, I don't know if people would agree with that or disagree, but I'm sure if, if, if two fans from Manchester comes on, but then saying now we probably join up with City and batter Man U and Liverpool, so I don't really know how it would work. But we're all right with Man City, Man City. We're all right with City, and that's United. We don't really get on with. Because when I was a kid, it was every weekend on the news. It was like Braveheart, yeah, hooligans running battles. But then the cameras came in, and it seemed to like change. Down, yeah. But what is it different now from what I saw as a kid? Yeah. Well, all the all the blind spots, as I call it, where we'd meet up for fights. You go there and I was a big fuck off police camera with a big massive cage around there and you'd be nicked within seconds. Like Really? Yeah, it's, you'll be nicked within minutes. It's heavy. So as the cameras caused a lot of people to get arrested then from the crews and Yeah, it's sort of football hooligan now sort of died down, hasn't it? it? You don't really hear nothing. No. So all, all it is now is like we can go to Leeds. We don't get on with Leeds either. Go to Leeds and then they'll start throwing things at the bus and then we get off the bus and we fight. If the papers want to call that hooliganism, then that's up to them. But it's like you see all these documentaries where they plan it, where they say, yeah, we'll meet you at this time. All that shit's not like that now. You just go on a coach, someone will throw a brick or a bottle and you get off the coach and you fight and that is it. Because you have to or they're going to smash the coach up and, you know, you're on that coach. You've got nowhere to go. So you talked about Liverpool United against Manchester, but what about if England is playing? Would Liverpool then unite with like London teams and to go overseas? Well, Liverpool fans certainly won't fight for England because if you read that thing the Liverpool fans are saying, we're Scouts, not English, load of shiting. What? Yeah, we're Scouts. So Liverpool fans, see, we we don't like the Tories. Yeah, fuck the Tories, by the way. But we don't we don't uh, we don't like the Tories in the city. Fatcher fucked. I was too young to understand all that, but touch the riots. Everything. Yeah, she yeah. fucked us over and the Tories shit on us. Um. So we don't like the Tories and Liverpool fans really don't like the Tories, but their saying is now we're Scouts, not English. So when England played the other week, did you hear them? They never they never sang the national anthem. When Prince William come to give them the trophy, they booed them. No. Yeah, but then they'll take days off on the bank holidays for the royalty and go and get pissed and have a great all time, but the Scouts, not English. So mm-hmm. for England, Liverpool fans certainly wouldn't wouldn't throw a fist about for England. For England, those Evertonians, yeah, you know, we're 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 involved wherever we go. We don't give a shit. That's the difference with yeah, us. Yeah, there was a recent royal celebration, and some of the pubs had big pictures of the grand old Duke of York. Yeah, <laughs> taking the piss out of yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't they don't like him. They're not royalists. They, no. No, no they're, they're, I, I, that's their saying. Liverpool fans now wear scouts, not English. That's their saying. <laughs> so, Kev, what would you say is the highest point of your life and the lowest point of your life? Oh, good question. Lowest point of my life was when I lost everything. Uh, felt like I, you know, I, I let my family down. How did that come about? Uh, well, stuff at the SIA. I got a big heavy fan. We're in a company without an SIA license. Um. Uh, yeah, just that really. Everything we earned legitly, we we lost. We lost. Highest point of my life. Apart from being on this podcast. Yeah, apart from being on this one. <laughs> I'd say, 
you know what I've minded some some celebrities over me I've worked with Mike Tyson I've I've worked in festivals stood next to Guns and Roses Red Hot Chili Peppers Eminem 50 Cent all other different various um, celebrities I'd say the highest point of my life was having a bevy with Michael Francis. Oh, oh he's great. Shout out to like, Michael Francis. Definitely shout out to, to, to my new best mate who absolutely <laughs> loves oh. me apparently. But um, I'd say having a bevy. Because I actually went out to work. Because when, when I went back to the hotel, you done what my nan used to do. We'd shake hands, yeah. And I felt so. And I went, Michael, because I got him back to the Shankly. And I'm out to Ada's room, just me and him. I got his wife in safe. And to, by the way, I'm walking out to the... the the cavern absolutely fucking bladder there. I, I think he bought me about 15 double Jack Daniels. So I'm, I'm minding him, running back, like fucking, I wake up here, I'm, I'm pissed. But, um, so yeah, I've gone out to me. He's like, what are you doing in uniform? Like, I'm, I'm minding you. He's like, I want you out to eat to drink. So I was like, fucking hell, really? But we, people were starting to get here, trying to get by him. So we left the uniform on. But I'd say, yeah, so as I was saying, so I've got back to the hotel and he's went, Kevin, you're the man. I absolutely love you. You're my buddy. I'm going to hire you every time I come to England. He oh. shook me hand. And I felt something in my hand. And I went, I don't want no money. He's like, yeah, so when I got out, there was a big bundle of 50 pound notes anyway. What he give me a backhander for? Oh. But I'd say the highlight of that, apart from my kids being born and I love me missus, I love me family, but apart from me kids being born and I, I'd say that's the highlight of sitting off with a capo mafia gangster from America, Italian mafia, 100%. That was the highlight, definitely. We've heard nothing but good stories about Mike Tyson. We've had Big Joe Egan on, who's a friend yeah, with yeah. Mike Tyson. Um, our cameraman as well, James, he said the most fame he's ever seen was when he did something for Tyson. and Yeah. You couldn't it believe it. Everybody just stopped. Everybody, the whole street just stopped. Yeah, it does. Well, I I done a bit of work for him in the Devonshire Hotel on Edge Lane when he come over, got a picture with him. I brought my dad on that as well later to get a picture with him. But um, yeah, it, it was just like, don't let anybody ask Mike certain questions. So Mike was probably the hardest security job because if people was like, if if someone in the crowd asked them a certain question, he's just going to run that table and attack them. So when I see Mike, I said to Mike, look, he went, anybody ask me any questions about this? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll, I'll fucking kill them. Like, I'm just like, okay, can't I? Mike Tyson was, he fucking dangerous man in me. He, 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 we had to, we had to go around selling certain people. Don't ask him about things he got. I'm not going to say what, but you know, when he got arrested in America yeah, for, yeah, for them yeah. charges, don't ask him that. Because we, he told me straight, anyone mentions that, I'm jumping this table, I'm breaking their face. Did it's, you have to do anything? anything? No, everybody was signed. I had to go, because I knew a lot of faces, Frenchie was there, and because I, I knew a lot of faces, I had to go over and say, look, who I knew, don't ask him about blah, blah, charging America. And if you do, I ain't stopping him punching your teeth out, mate, simple as that. So no one asked him any. It went well. It went yeah. really well. No one wanted to get hit yeah. by him. No, but I was sweating for the full three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say I lost three stone <laughs> in weight, just thinking, please, God, because you know, you know, when I got a photo with Mike and I put my arm around him, I swear to God, it's like feeling a brick. What he was fucking, he was solid. He was solid. His hands were twice the size of mine. When he wrapped his hand around I nearly broke my finger shaking his hand They're as like well. Shovels. Yeah, his hands were shovels. And I was standing there, sweat was pissing out of me. Oh my God, like, what if he kicks off? I'm like, you're getting knocked out, aren't you? It's as simple as that. But all it was was worried about some knobhead asking him a specific mm. question. But it, Liverpool, as Michael said, Liverpool is perfect. 
We wow. love all that kind of the stuff. I mean, how did you get in to looking after celebrities from being a doorman to being more security? Well, I'd done a lot of work without having a license and it wasn't security. People just hired us to go with them. And 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 that's how we got into it. A bit of, I don't know how we got into it. People, people telling people who they know. Like this Michael Francis, it's a friend of mine, Franny in Liverpool. And Franny recommended us. So people recommend you really. I mean, you're very passionate about your job. So how did you start the firm? Okay, so we only started the firm back up in May, just gone. When I got arrested over that uh, murder charge, that's when my life went went upside down. That's when we lost the business. We got stood down. We couldn't operate. They took me money. We got massive, massive fines. So that was it. But how I got back in the security was was when that guy called um, Billy. He brought me to the cafe. He was the one who gave me my shot. And then I just took it. I just... That's just what I do. You know, like I've done other work. I've been on doing the gas. I've been on buildings. That's not me. I can't stand it. I can't stand a dickhead. And I'll call foreman's on site dickheads, power mad dick. I can't stand a little wet wipe walking over to me with an ad that's on four foot tall. Was 50 cent down to earth? <clears throat> I didn't really get to speak to 50. I think, I can't remember the exact festival. I think it was Redden. It was Redden Festival 50 done. Yeah, he, he shook hands and that, but, um, you know, when we're working, we don't get pictures or nothing like that. It was just getting them in to the VIP at the back. They'd sit there after dinner and then next thing someone else would come on stage. So we're back out behind the stage. Guns and Roses and Chili Peppers and stuff. There's a weird story. <laughs> um, we had, I can't remember which way it was, but we had, see, for instance, we had Chili Peppers on first and they were on one stage. And then we got on, the, we got told on the radio, a Pacific group of us to get over to another stage because Guns and Roses were coming on. And my beard was working with us at the time. I'm not laughing. So when I get home, don't kick me ass. But um, <laughs> I'm not laughing at it, buddy. <laughs> So we're all running, but then next thing there's a stampede of thousands of people running from the um, chili peppers to get to Guns N' Roses. So we're running with the crew, and next week I've heard, Kevin! And I've looked, and my missus has gone, and there's just loads of people running, standing on it. So I've had to get everybody back, trying to get it up, couldn't. So what we've had to do, and I'm sorry if any of you people are watching this podcast and you got a punch off me. I'm sorry, didn't want to do it, but I had to. So there's people running. So we've had to stand in. And because we couldn't control it, we've just had to start throwing punches yeah. at people who were running. So I've got her up. She's got like a Nike shoe mark there and a Dita shoe mark there. Oh, so her face is covered in mud. She's just absolutely covered them up. But we got her up. She, she wasn't hurt. Poor thing got trampled. She got trampled by a good hundred people. There was thousands of people, but there was a good few hundred people. We, could, we couldn't save her. There was about eight of us in, in a team going from one stage to another. We, 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 they weren't enough. It was just a barrage of, of, of thousands of people running. But with the Guns N' Roses, a good gig. Oh, it was brilliant. Axel, Ro- <laughs> Axel Rose was 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 brilliant. I, I don't know the guy off the Chili Peppers here. I'm not a fan of them, but Axel Rose was he was great. And like when he was walking off stage, he actually passed a couple of the lads a bit of weed. Like, oh no, we don't want nothing like that. You know what I mean? Um, Robbie Williams, another another guy. I'm not going to say what Robbie done, but another down to work guy. Robbie Williams, he's a fucking legend. Yeah, Robbie's brilliant. He watches the channel. Yeah, Robbie's yeah. brilliant. Like he sat off with a few of the lads after work and that. Um, Richard Ashcroft a few years ago off the Vave, we done the Isle of Wight festival, and we had to throw him out. He fucking smashed the room oh. up. Yeah, what, we had to. Prima donna. He smashed his hotel room up to bits, so we had to get him out of there. 
and then he tried to steal a boat. Like absolutely off as nut. Lord, I mean, like, Did yeah. you have to work any celebrity after parties? Yeah, I've done a few. Like, yeah, I've done a few. What's it like in them? <sighs> I don't want to say because <laughs> they're a different breed to us. Let's put it Crazy. like that. Yeah, they're a different breed to us. <laughs> their parties. I've heard are, a lot. Uh, yeah, they're uh, the crazy. So, who was the biggest nightmare to work for? Uh, biggest nightmare. I haven't nearly got one, you know. No. No. I haven't nearly got one. I mean, insecurity, I haven't. Probably that that gas job I've done. But um, other than that, no. Um, security, everyone's been sad. I haven't had a problem. Mm. What's the craziest crime story, Liverpool crime story you've ever heard? <sighs> okay. The craziest one was... Well, I actually know the girl. I don't know the lad, but I know the girl. It was her son. Um, the kidnapped... Well, he's innocent, apparently, but he, he kidnapped the lad, tortured him for a couple of days, brought him back to a place on Bowler Street. Um, and it's actually my mate's garage. I go there all the time. It's a bit freaky going in. They tortured him inside there. And then outside the garage, they've got two big metal containers. They threw him in there and set him on fire. Oh. Worst death I've ever seen was a mate of mine, um, barman, God rest his soul. And I worked with him on the door. I worked under barman. Um, and I was meant to be going for a meeting with him this night um, and I actually got nicked St. Anne's Police Station for, I don't know what it was I can't remember what it was for but it was something shit so I, I, I knew we weren't going to work so my bird phoned him and said look Kevin's not going to be in work tonight so we come to my house and went there's some money while he's in jail that's the last time we ever seen him he got brought to a place in um, Egbert Road and Brian out of Brookside, you know, Terry, his name's Brian, but remember Brookside? Remember had, Terry like, and Sizzler. You had Terry, yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you the story about him before we finish in a minute. So Dave, Dave called my mate, Bam, and there was a lad called Jason from Kenny. Someone phoned him up to go down to this pub to meet him over something. And then uh, some fella walked up to walked up with him with a, with a bin bag with a shotgun in it and just shot him in the face, killed Ooh. him. He's a good mate of mine. Like, they've all got 30 years. I'm to they'll die in jail now. But Terry's out. But here's a story about Terry Arabruki. He was, he was selling cocaine for me, mate, years ago. He was a driver. So, I grew up on Brookie. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we... we Barry Grant. So I, I've had a phone call, and he said, Kev, do you a favour? I didn't know it was him at the time. So some crews come to me and said, Kev, someone owes his money. Do you want to do a bit of debt collecting? So I'll do debt collecting, whatever it is. I don't want to know what it's about. I don't give a shit. I'll just go and collect the debts. I still do that to this day. So I've gone to this house on Molyneux Road in Kensington. And yeah, I think it was like 26 Mile Vane Road. And I phoned my mate and I'm outside 26 Mile Vane Road. I said, it's boarded up. It's a bondy. He said, no, Kev, just kick the door as hard as you can. It'll open and go in. There's a guy there. So me and two of the lads who've gone, didn't kick it in like breaking an empty. It was a bunch. So I put my foot on the door and as I went to kick it, I nearly lost my leg. It was, it was broke. The door was broke. I've gone in and there's a man lying on a couch with no floorboards in the house with a blanket on. And when I pull the blanket on, it's Brian. It's Terry out of Brookside. He had no lecky, no gas, no TV. All he had was a settee, what looked like it had been chewed with by dogs. A 
blanket with no sheet on it and he was asleep on the couch and he ended up after doing like bits of work for for, for the people who sent us but it, that that was one of the shocking moments because obviously we all grew up on yeah. on Brookie when my kids are my nan watched it my mum watched it and to see him it was a shame what happened to him mm. and that's what and he was the getaway driver of the fella who who killed one of my best mates so what the rise and fall the rise how, and did, fall. how yeah. do you know he fell so fast Cocaine meat. Coke. That's as simple as that. The lemo. The lemo fucked him over. Even when he was working, he's just snorting his, you know, his wages and stuff like that. Wow. Are there any stories you think we've uh, you've missed out, Kevin? Any, any... So I've got to ask. Yeah, go ahead. Years ago, I came to Liverpool for the Grand National, and there was a whole street boarded up. Yeah. Is that still there? Where the Aintree, or was that Liverpool? No, in Liverpool, because we were staying in Liverpool, but we we're travelling over to Aintree. Yeah, well, Aintree is Liverpool, so if you were going there, that might have been Anfield or something like that. Where there was a whole road yeah, of like well, terrace that, houses. They were they were there for for the football stadium to to be developed bigger. Uh, That's all they did were you there hear about for. Them? Well, they're doing something similar, aren't they? Everything's going over there. Yeah, it? well, we're at Bramley Moor Dock now, but our stadium's getting knocked down when we move. Well, Liverpool's expanding, so but my mate lived in one of them houses, you know, and they give them seven thousand pound cash to move out, you know. So they did get looked at, even if they didn't own a house, the renters seven grand and go. So Liverpool um, Council did look after them, but that's where that was. Them streets are still are still there now. Some of them have gone, but there's still a lot of streets. Mm. What do you say to young people who've got gangsteritis? Stay out of this shit, mate. Go and get a proper job. Um, don't be, don't, at the end of the day, anybody who's working under the elite, anyone who's not the boss of your queue, you're just a mug. That's all you are, is a runner and a mug and someone who's going to get set up to go to prison while your boss is stitching you up. And that's, that's as simple as that. So what have you got coming up next? <laughs> Um, coming up next, I've got to meet. I've got to. I've got to look after Michael again. Bring him round Liverpool. Um, I might be. I'm waiting. I find out tonight if I'm going to Essex. Um, and that's it. Really, hopefully, just just carry on going, getting bigger and stronger. I'm sure you will. And people yeah. can reach out to you on Facebook and Instagram. We'll put the links below the video. Yeah, if there's any kids out there like what are what are getting bullied and scared, and you know, I'll help you. I'm not not saying violently. I'm not going to run the police. Well, you know, I'll help you. And are you hiring security? Are we what, sorry? Hiring security at Well, the yeah, we can, what we can do is we can put them in gyms, you know, get them on boxing, we can put them in gyms and, and I, I will personally get them their SA licence. It's five ton, I'll pay for it all for them. If they want to come in and change their life I, I, and they get a licence, I'll give them a job 100%. Oh, that's really cool. And that's that anybody, anybody who's got a licence and wants to change your life will give you work. Fantastic. So all Kev's links will be in the description box below this video. We've touched on a few people who we've done podcasts with. Michael Francis, Darren G, Joe Egan. They're all in the True Crime podcast playlist. All Jen's links are down there as well. So yeah, thanks, thanks Kev. Give us a hug. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks for coming. That good, yeah. Yes, good. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic. Fantastic. This podcast is sponsored by Gadfly Press. We're proud to announce the publication of Scotland's Johnny Boy, The Bird That Never Flew. From the back cover, all his life, Johnny Boy Steele has been running, first from an abusive father, then from the rigours of an approved school and a young offender's jail, and finally, from the harshness of adult prison. This book details how the Steele brothers staged the most daring breakout 
that Glasgow's Barlini prison had ever seen, and recounts what happened when their younger brother Joseph was falsely accused of the greatest mass murder in Scottish legal history. We're talking the ice cream wars there. If Johnny Boy had wings, he would have flown to help his family, but he would have to wait for freedom to use his expertise to publicise young Joe's miscarriage of justice. This is a compelling, often shocking, and uncompromisingly honest account of how the human spirit can survive against almost crushing odds. It is a story of family love, friendship, and, ultimately, a desire for justice. So, Scotland's Johnny Boy, the bird that never flew, is available worldwide on Amazon. Link in the description box below this video. Thank you for supporting our sponsor. Cheers. <laughs>